Hi, anyone and everyone. Welcome to Have You Heard About This Case. My name is Sam. And my name is Kelly. Today, we are going to talk about the disappearance of Lauren Spearer from Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. And Kelly, if you remember at our friend's wedding in October, I was talking mm-hmm. with one of the other bridesmaids, Jess, <laughs> about this case. Um. Yeah. And if I remember right, Jess went to Indiana University around the same time or potentially at the same time of Lauren's disappearance. Um, She didn't know Lauren, but it's a case that she's been keeping her eye on because it it hits close to home. Mm -hmm. And you know me, you know the cases I like to choose. I typically relate to them in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you and I are very close to Lauren's age at the time of her disappearance. Um, and I think mm-hmm. Jess is kind of wow. just in the same boat. So she wanted to keep her eye on it. Yeah. Um, but before we dive in, what is our question for today? Okay. So we both have had things happening lately around us that have made us largely family oriented and I was wondering, are there any heirlooms in your family? Oh, goodness. Or names, maybe, passed down? Um, Names, not so much. But mm-hmm. um, I know my, my grandmother holds on to everything in the most wonderfully sentimental way. <laughs> um, oh. My grandma is 97 years old. And... She, she's fabulous. She's amazing. <laughs> My grandma's she's wonderful. amazing. Um, and she understands that value. And so we like at Christmas every year, even just like we have spoons that we use to serve the dishes no. that are from the 1700s. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, we we have our, we have a very, very extensive family history. Um, we have documentation that goes back to like the 1100s in my family Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like little things um i Mm -hmm. i don't have anything specifically um i know my mom has some artwork some photographs from Mm -hmm. the late 1800s and some paintings from before that Mm -hmm. but nothing that's like the big family heirloom that everyone is like has Mm -hmm. their eye on what about you yeah yeah so in my family, it's more of a case of names. We hand down a lot of names. My middle name is uh, a family name, and my first name is a family name as well. I don't know if I spoke of this in my in the infamous Danny Green episode, <laughs> but my first name, Kelly, is a an homage to my grandmother and it is her maiden name. Oh, nice. So I think you've told me that, but I I think I forgot. Yeah. Both my first and my middle names are heirloom. One from my dad's side and one from my mom's side. Oh, nice. Yeah. I know that your aunt is where you get your middle Mm -hmm. name. Yes. 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 And she got her name from my grandmother. Oh, I didn't know that. that That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that one goes back a little bit as well on my mom's side. Yeah, I know my brother-in-law's family, every male in his family has the middle name Zell. 
because that's an like, old family name. Z-E-L-L. Oh, because now it's like a payment processing service. <laughs> right? So no E at the end. <laughs> I was, um, was going to say, like, like <laughs> quick pays all or? No, no, just Z-E-L-L. Um, um, but every male in his family for many generations are Zells. Huh. That's interesting. And, it, you know, there's a lot of names handed down on my dad's side as well, particularly. There's a, a lot of Irish names that are passed down on my dad's side for the men. But a, a particular one that's really cool is that the name Dawson runs in our family uh, for years and years and years. It's gone back. And there is an heirloom specific to the men in my family named Dawson. And cool. every generation, there is at least one male who has Dawson in his name. And that male is given a gold pocket watch. Oh, that's cool. Age. Yeah. So my dad had Dawson in his name and he had the pocket watch for many years and I remember the year he decided to give it to my cousin because he was the next, you know, he had Dawson in his name as well. So mm -hmm. my dad got to hand him down the gold pocket watch. That's cool. So that's, yeah, it's kind of like an heirloom within an heirloom. Yeah, we actually, now that you mentioned that, I, we do have one thing. I don't know the real history of it, but I do think it's really cool. Um, we have a pin. It's a little blue oval pin. And every woman in the family has worn it as her something blue. Oh. In, in the wedding. Um, so if you, as we just mentioned, um, at our friend's wedding, uh, my sister and I were both bridesmaids. My sister was a maid of honor. And this, this, we'll talk about her later because she actually is a source for me in this case. Um, <laughs> but we asked permission from our family to offer it as something blue for her wedding. So she was the last one to that. wear it. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that. every woman in my family has used that as something blue. And it's like, it's falling apart. It's, I'm surprised it's still intact to use and wear. But yeah, ev everyone yeah. has used it. That's one. I love that. I just love hearing it's like, little time capsules of mm -hmm. people's family specifically yeah i should like, call my just... grandma and see the history on that pin and like who started it how old it is oh, i don't should. i don't know any of that i should i should give her a phone you call sh you should ask her before you know it, before it's too late you know because you then you'll be the keeper of the story you know? like, i'm the next and person if i continue. ever get married i think i would be the next person to use it i'm the mm -hmm. oldest granddaughter who's not married. Yeah. and, and Or who hasn't been maybe married. Maybe want to know. Yeah. And you'd maybe want to know the history behind it. Yeah. I, sh I should definitely That'd ask cool. that. I never really thought about like where it started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll be doing that pretty soon here. Giving my grandma a call. Um, but let's go ahead and dive into Lauren's case. Because this is. Yes. Let's, let's hear about Lauren. <laughs> this, this is. It's, there's a lot of things that are very confusing in this case. Um. We'll post a ton of pictures on Facebook, specifically maps. Um, Kelly, I actually have them worked into my script so you can see them. Okay. Um, so I'm going to try to break this down as clearly as possible, but there's a lot to this case. Um, but Lauren was born on January 17th, 1991 
and she lived in Scarsdale, New York. Her parents, Charlene and Robert Spearer, describe Lauren as loving and caring and said that she just had a zest for life during their 2020 episode that aired in 2017. Um, she's also she's described so, as like really loving like classic rock music, 60s, 70s, uh, 80s rock. And mm-hmm. that like just is me. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly like that how is, I yeah. grew up. Um, Absolutely. And she's so close to our age. She mm-hmm. is this. I was born in 91 as well. Yeah, I was born in 89. So I was barely older than that. Mm hmm. Um, At one point, her parents were asked in this 2020 interview if they were proud of Lauren. And the look on both of their faces was so wonderful and heartbreaking. You you could tell that they were so proud of her, but so incredibly hurt by her disappearance. Why did they ask them that? Dramatic television. Yeah, exactly. Like, just for the... The eyeballs, because that seems like such a hurtful question. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it, but also they're able to share with the world how proud they were of their daughter. So yeah, and their family just seemed very tight knit, and mm-hmm. I think that's what they were trying to get at in this point. Um, mm-hmm. And you'll see why they're proud of Lauren. You you throughout mm-hmm. this, you'll you'll understand why. Mm-hmm. But Lauren had a group of lifelong friends that she met starting around the age nine or ten. When she went to Camp Tawanda, which is in Pennsylvania. Oh. And she met one of her best friends there, Blair Wallach, who was also interviewed in the 2020 documentary. Um, But she also met her boyfriend, Jesse Wolf, there. Mm -hmm. It sounds like she went to camp for many, many years. So I think she actually met Mm Jesse in like early to mid teenage years. Mm -hmm. But... They went to IU together, um, Indiana University. Hmm. And she met another friend while at camp, Jay Rosenbaum, who was another IU student. So she had this core group of friends in college with her. Yeah, I was going to say, so they kind of all went to college together. Yeah, from the sound of it, they really didn't intend on going to college together. It just kind of, IU had what everyone wanted. So it just worked mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And Lauren started college at Indiana University in the fall of 2009. She intended oh, to study God. textile merchandising. And she previously had an internship with anthropology in New York City. So oh she was already on track to, to get to yeah. this point. That's cr- it Also, I... I can't stop, like, the dates. I'm just like, oh, my God. Because, of course, I started college in the fall of 2009 as well. But she's mm-hmm. almost... She's, she's almost a couple exactly, months older than you. She, I was going to say, she's almost exactly two months older than me. Yeah. And, and I started yeah, fall so, in 2008. So, like, I'm right there with you guys. Yeah. And I, I knew a bunch of people who, in in our area, at our school, we called it fashion merchandising. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it referred to them... that a, a lot, but I think that for her title, it was textile merchandising, but she was going into fashion. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, to be an intern for anthropology, that's like coveted. Mm-hmm. It's very, especially when you're in like merchandising. Exactly. 
that kind of thing. Because anthro windows are always, y'all have seen anthro windows. They're beautiful. <laughs> the whole I store is gorgeous. It's gorgeous, but I I don't have $500 to burn in my backyard. <laughs> exactly. Um, and according to Niche.com, which is a ranking website for colleges, IU receives an A ranking overall. And some of the criteria that is individually ranked on this website is academics, diversity, athletics, value, campus, safety, and party scene. Um, and that's just a handful of what's ranked. The party scene at IU was an A+, while safety is ranked as a C+, which was the lowest ranking of any of the criteria that they were judging. I was afraid afraid you were going to say that. Yeah. So from the sound of it... Don't get me wrong, like... I'm from Ohio, and there are schools in Ohio that definitely also have A plus safety and C plus, or A plus party, C plus safety. Yeah, my my college I mean, back in the day was a Playboy unique. school. We were we weren't too far yeah. from Lake Geneva with the Playboy Mansion. It, my college was a Playboy yeah. school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm not trying to dog any college, but I was afraid you would say A plus party, C plus safety. Mm-hmm. So, like, as we we just kind of said, it it sounds like it's a pretty big party school. And in the year 2024, this year, it was ranked as 15th top party school in America, according to Niche.com. Oh, Um, I've heard a lot of other rankings. I've heard that it is number one. But even if it's 15, it's high. (laughs) 15 is very high. That is very out of... Out of everybody, I'm looking up the rankings right now just to see where some of the Ohio schools. I know that I looked I at my college. Fall. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't call out the school in particular in Ohio that we all know that I'm talking about. Ohio listeners, I know you're on here, Ohio listeners, and you know <laughs> what college I'm talking about. And I'm checking right now to see where it falls on Nisha's uh, score. Um, but but sorry. In go addition on. to Lauren being. 15th top party school it was also 16th for best greek life and obviously those two things are not exclusive to each other but honestly like Mm -hmm. let's be real here they they go hand in hand most of the time a little bit skis a little bit i mean i was not involved in greek life myself so i can't speak too much to it but I do know that the only time I was involved with Greek life was at a party. At, yeah. Uh, a fraternity or I never, the sororities never really did parties, but the the fraternities were all on, they called it fraternity row because mm-hmm. they're all, all the houses together. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We- some of these on Nisha's top party schools are surprising to me. Really? I only really looked up because I just, I was looking up um iu rankings and that was one of like the most well-rounded sites which is why i chose it but there's a lot of sites that put it at like different rankings sam you can cut this if you want university of wisconsin hit eight and university of illinois urbana champagne is nine yeah not surprised with either one of those at all Mm, yeah what's number one i'm just let's see what's number one 
So yeah, this is totally a tangent, and I may I cut it. Down, yeah. But is, you can cut this if you want. It's the University of California, Santa Barbara. Okay, which I'm not surprised makes that sense either. To me. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So far, a lot of these make sense to me, but I was like, really, Georgia? <laughs> Georgia beat Wisconsin. Oh, that doesn't surprise and me Illinois. either. Yeah, I think a lot I, of those big WVU, football schools are a big part of it. Yeah. And that's exactly what IU is. They have the Hoosiers, which if Yeah, I was I was most say people a know lot the Hoosiers are a big team. <laughs> big team, yeah. Yeah. But I, I did bring up Greek life, but I do also want to mention that Greek mm-hmm. life really has no relevance to this case. I just I think that that kind of helps give an image of what parties could be like and what campus life mm-hmm. could be like because Mm-hmm. As I said, they're, they're they're not exclusive to each other, but they they very frequently go hand in hand with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're right about that. One thing that Lauren really had to be careful of, especially considering partying in college, was that she had a heart condition called long QT syndrome. Oh, oh no! And Lauren was a she was a very talented soccer and lacrosse player in high school. But unfortunately, she was forced to step back from sports after her diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And I have wow. a very good friend, the one we, we were talking about earlier, who was getting mm-hmm. married and took the pin. Um, used, used friend the of pin. the pod. Yes. Um, friend of the pod. She is a very good friend of mine who was actually a heart rhythm nurse for six years. So mm-hmm. I asked her to help me understand her condition and how her condition impacted her life. And yeah. she did a really wonderful job helping me just understand the basics and answered a ton of questions that I had, um, which we'll get into kind of as we go throughout this episode. Um, but I want to call you out, Allie. Thank you so much for your help, because um, this is a Yay. big part of this case and understanding kind of what Lauren was going through. Um, yeah. Yeah. But she she told me that long QT syndrome is a heart condition that causes dangerous rhythms and mm. it's not necessarily a common condition, but the majority of people who are diagnosed with long QT syndrome are teenage athletes. So that fits Lauren huh. very much. Yeah. That's and, very interesting. Yeah. And I, I want to read for you word for word what Allie sent me about long QT syndrome. Cause she just worded it so well that mm-hmm. I'm not going to okay. try to rewrite it. <laughs> Um, she hmm. said, essentially, part of the heart takes longer to recharge. The heart is a very intricate and electrical process that has specific timing. In some people, if the timing isn't right, it can set their heart. It can set off the heart to go into a really fast and dangerous rhythm. It typically mm. occurs with exercise or stress on the heart. Therefore, mm there's not really a lot of symptoms or warning until a person goes into cardiac arrest and they, and they get an EKG, which essentially is going to be a snapshot of patients with heart rhythm. A lot of times Mm. people have family members who end up, who, who just up and die without warning. Nothing shows up in an autopsy. And this can be a good indication that, they may have electrical issues like long QT syndrome. Um, So I think that breakdown kind of helps us understand Mm -hmm. how and when it occurs. And sometimes it, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's terrifying. I mean, it, 
to know that it's common in teenage athletes and your teenage athlete child could just go down and you have no idea why that's that's so scary it also reminds me of uh the okay never mind just cut this i was gonna try hamilton damar hamilton yeah i don't know if that's what happened yeah um, no, that's it. It's absolutely not long QT syndrome or anything like it. It was just an unlucky hit in the timing of the beating rhythm of his heart, mm-hmm. but just the the going into full cardiac arrest so quickly like that. That's that's what it made me think of. Yeah, it's it's been a very long time since I've seen it, but I think this is what one of the characters in One Tree Hill went through. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever watched not- that. <laughs> I'm it's not that great. Ish. I'm familiar ish. There, there's that one I character up, who, during yeah. a basketball game, collapses due to a heart issue. I don't mm-hmm. remember if it's long QT syndrome, but based on what I remember from the show, it sounds kind of similar. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing we do know is that Lauren did have medication for her condition. But from what I'm okay. understanding from different articles, this was not a daily medication. This was something that she took if she felt like she needed it. So her condition seemed fairly manageable. Okay. So this is, and maybe this is more of an alley sphere question, but I wonder if everyone who has long QT syndrome gets medication or if Lawrence was just warranting medication. Yeah, we honestly didn't talk about that. We talked about a lot of stuff following up, which we'll get to later on. Yeah. Um, that wasn't really the focus, yeah. but that is a really good question. Yeah. It, I mean, it's not a podcast about long QT syndrome. It's about Lauren. So in this case, <laughs> yeah. it was not needed daily. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Lauren disappeared early morning of June 3rd, 2011. She had already finished her classes for that semester. This She just finished her second year. And mm-hmm. she just hadn't yeah, was... returned back to New York for the summer yet. Mm-hmm. There, there were still some classes going on at this point. I'm not sure if you had this during mm-hmm. your finals period, yeah, oh yeah. but some people finished at different times. And mm-hmm. um, her yeah. boyfriend Jesse wasn't done yet, and they planned on traveling back oh. to New York together because he was also from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, camp. Yeah. It sounds campus- like state school. State school common. Like yeah. my school was a state school and was similar. Like you could finish earlier than your friends. It just all depended on when your finals were scheduled. Yeah. And I even went to a private school and it was the same exact thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, I think it definitely is just like that's a pretty typical type of setup for most colleges. Mm-hmm. And so this area is still very crowded and lively. And. Mm-hmm. Lauren lived off campus in an apartment with her friend, Haydar, who I believe has been another long-term friend. Um, She's honestly not really relevant to the story, so I didn't dive into her too much. Um, Mm -hmm. But it seems like they had a fantastic relationship as roommates. Yeah. So on the night of June 2nd, there was a big basketball game. It was the NBA playoffs at this point. Mm. And being IU... This is just a big basketball town in general with the Hoosiers, but like mm-hmm. a lot of people in town are just huge basketball fans. So it seems like most people in town were 
like having parties and watching games and stuff. And Mm -hmm. Lauren is no exception to this. She was with a few friends. I'm not sure if she was in her apartment or another unit in the building at a friend's place, but in her Mm -hmm. building, minimally. Minimally. And they were, yeah, they like she would have been down the hall if she wasn't in her own apartment type of thing. And they were having fun. They were drinking wine. They had just finished the semester, watching the basketball Mm -hmm. game, having a good night. Yeah. So the game ends just around midnight. I think it ended just before midnight. And Mm -hmm. Lauren texts her boyfriend, Jesse, saying she was going to go to bed. And Jesse was kind of doing the same thing with his own friends at his place. Mm -hmm. Right. Like winding down. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he uh, he wasn't done with classes. So I don't know if he just didn't want to go out to party Mm -hmm. or if he just wanted to hang with his friends that night and they just were going to do their own separate things. Right. And she texts him saying she's going to go to bed. She said she had a bit of a headache and didn't really want to go out and do much. But mm-hmm. in reality, she didn't stay home. She went to a party. Okay. And around mm-hmm. midnight, so a little after the game ended, Lauren left her apartment mm-hmm. with a friend of hers who was also a neighbor. He lived in the same building, David Roan. Okay. And... There's surveillance vi- footage of that was released of Lauren walking down the hallway of her apartment building to meet David so that they could walk to this party together. Lauren was wearing black yoga pants or leggings and a white tank top and a baggier white shirt. Um, it's referred to as a blouse in most articles, um, but it looks like a polo to me. Um, and it was kind of yeah. tucked in. And Lauren was a very small woman. She was (laughs) four foot 11 and 95 pounds. I'm Um, so sorry. The reason I laughed is just that I've always been also considered a very small woman. And the measurements given for Lauren are actually incredibly close to my own. Especially (laughs) when I was in college. When I was in college. So I'm going to keep that in mind like as I move through your story here about what could have happened to Lauren because she's on, she's 4'11". That's even shorter than me. And that's, I don't come across that very much. I'm five foot. So I'm only a couple inches taller than her. And in college, I would have weighed roughly the same amount. So that gives yes. me kind of a good reference point. Yeah. She's, she's quite petite. Um, and you can yeah. see a picture. I put a picture in our script here so mm-hmm. you can kind of see that security footage. Um, and we'll have yeah, that on our Instagram as well. I agree. It kind of looks more like a polo. Yeah, over. people say it's a blouse, but it doesn't look like there's buttons down the front. It looks like a, a no. more of a thicker texture like a polo would be. But it's it's a blurry yeah. fo- it's blurry picture, so it's hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I would like to... It looks a little like it has a collar. That's like exactly. And it looks like it might have a couple buttons at the very top. But again, uh-huh. it's blurry. But you're right; it's hard. To... Mm-hmm. One thing hard I to would tell. like to point out in this picture: she's holding something. It looks like maybe a jacket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we will never see this jacket again. It's never been talked about. Mm. I don't. Okay. I don't understand. Mm. I don't know. This is just my own personal thoughts of like, where where did that go? I don't know. Yeah. 
I was going to ask you what it was that she was carrying because it does look. It looks like it's like draped over her arm, like it would be a jacket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Lauren and David walk from their apartment building, which is the Smallwood Plaza, and they walk little less than a half a mile to five North townhomes where Jay Rosenbaum was throwing a party. And if you remember, Jay was one of the old friends Lauren went to Camp Tawanda with. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I believe Lauren, Jay, David, and another friend who also lived at the same complex that Jay lived at, Corey Rossman. We we have a lot of names we're going to be going through here, so I'm going to try to keep them as clear (laughs) for you as possible. Um, I believe that they were all hanging out the party together. I don't know how mm-hmm. big this party was. It could have just been these people. It could have been a ton more. I have no information. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. David decided to not stay. And he actually left the party early around 1230. So he was probably there like 20 okay. minutes. Maybe. Yeah, I was going to say. It's also um, ugh, that, that pings for me that he's leaving her alone, even though it's among friends. Yeah, well... I also look at it as like Jay is a childhood friend that would make you feel a lot more comfortable, but Mm -hmm. she had met Corey just the week before, but Jay and Corey were neighbors. You'd think they would know each other. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a tricky situation where like, I understand you don't want to leave a friend alone, but you're also leaving a friend with somebody that she's probably known a whole lot longer than David Roan. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So like I don't I'm fault at the him map for here. Leaving. No, I'm looking at the map here that you're we'll share with you guys as well, and it looks like they only had to walk about seven minutes to get to mm-hmm. this place, right? Yeah, it's about Great. three, okay. maybe four blocks. Um, it's a very mm-hmm. short walk. It's yeah, point three miles. Yeah. on Google Maps. Hmm. So after partying at Jay's for a while, Lauren and Corey decide that they're gonna head out. And at 1.46 a.m., they arrive to a bar, which is only a handful of blocks away, named Kilroy's. Um, And right below this, I have another picture for you to show how close Kilroy's is. Very close. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll actually see... The images... Go ahead. Y'all will see them. Uh, Y'all will see these images, but it does look like Google Maps here is saying... It would be about nine minutes, but these things look so close to each other. I bet you could do that walk in less time. Exactly. It's 0.4 miles from the townhomes Mm -hmm. to the bar. And Mm -hmm. they're essentially passing Lauren's apartment. Lauren's apartment's only like one block from this bar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this sounds like this was like the super popular bar for the college students. It had multiple, like, areas of different bars inside of it. And it had this big back patio as well, which was this very sandy, beachy environment. They actually had this, like, sand pit by one of the bars outside. Okay, that sounds like a fun place to go as a college student. Yeah, like, it's it's a total college bar. And Mm. it sounds like a ton of people on campus and who went to IU went here frequently. Mm-hmm. And Lauren's only 20 years old at this point, so she actually used a fake ID Ooh. to get in. And nice. remember, Probably she's already been... I would have done, too. <laughs> I, 
I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to knock anybody on any partying or any party school. I probably would have done this. People, college kids get fake IDs. It happens, you know. Yeah. And like, this was very different than my college experience, but I feel like my college experience was kind of abnormal. I feel like this is more normal. Well, I'll help you fill in the blanks. <laughs> this <laughs> happened a lot at the school that I went to. And yeah, I feel like my college was bars, the weird one. <laughs> there were bars that students frequently knew, like, the na- the names of these bars would be handed down to, like, you from, like, an upperclassman, like, X bar doesn't card. Because oh, I'm not, really? I'm so not gonna have, like, go three up, bars I'm in not, my town. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to put any bars near my college town on blast because I was there. <laughs> and it, it it is common even... Uh, my college experience happened right at the same time as Lauren's, exactly mm-hmm. at the same time. And we were getting told by upperclassmen that certain bars didn't even card, let alone having to use a fake ID. Yeah, and like I said, I think that that's quite common. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. one thing I'd like to remind you of is Lauren's already been drinking. She was having wine with her friends. Mm-hmm. She then went to Jay's. Right. Probably had and a handful of drinks yeah. over there. And mm-hmm. now they're at this bar. And the bartenders actually right. said that Lauren was visibly intoxicated when she got to the bar. Well, she's only 4'11", and she's, what, 95 pounds, you said? 90 pounds? So Say, it's been reported kinda... between, like, 90 and 100 pounds. So, yeah. Very uh, slim. I, I would buy that. I would buy that she was maybe visibly, or visibly intoxicated. There are also some reports that Lauren was potentially doing coke this night as okay. well. And mm-hmm. potentially Klonopin. Okay. Okay, so keep going. And then I'm going to <laughs> I had, I had to as do a I'm lot of a research lecture. for this. It, yeah. I'll, and I'll I think I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. So, I I really honestly know very little about both of these drugs. I know stuff about coke from TV. <laughs> like that's not really the most accurate. But I really knew nothing about clonopin. So, from my understanding, they have opposite side effects. Coke is an upper. It'll give you that boost, while Klonopin will really bring you down. And okay, I'm going to raise my hand. Can I raise okay. my hand now? Yes. Okay, because you're 100% correct here. Coke is an upper, and you're going to, you know, I, Coke is Coke. We have all seen it on TV, just like Sam. But Klonopin is interesting to me and pings for me because I have not often heard of people doing clonopin recreationally. I've See, typically heard I of have this the same thought. That's not true. Um, I've, but, I've done you know, a lot I've of really, Googling. Yeah. The thing is, used. I was just, I was just going to say, yeah, that clonopin is often prescribed to a mm-hmm. lot of people. I, I wasn't aware that you can use it in a way that it would get you high. I've never been prescribed it. All I know is that it is a downer. It, it's a, so she's, she's doing, if this is 
Correct. If all any of that's to be believed, she is mixing a cocktail here of alcohol and prescription drugs. And that can be very dangerous, especially in somebody in this size category. Who has a heart condition. Who? Yes. Yes. I did not even think mm-hmm. about Yes. She also has a heart condition. Yeah. So uh, I have heard clonopin as just a prescription drug. Typically, you get it for like anxiety. It's going to so be panic attacks was the, like one of the biggest um, things it was prescribed yeah. for during my research. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to I was just about to say it's going to be in the same world as like Xanax for something. If you're uh, having a panic attack, if you have mm-hmm. generalized anxiety disorder, that kind of thing. So it is intended to bring you down from that panic attack. So yeah, she's in the benzo recreationally. category. Yes, it's a benzo. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she, if she's doing it recreationally, then she's probably taking more than what would be prescribed to someone. And that would concern me just once again, given her size and now your reminder that she has a heart condition, especially that mm-hmm. she's doing coke with a heart condition. That's very. That's that was the one that's scarier Ooh. for me with the idea of it. Um, and we'll get back yeah. to this conversation. We'll go into this a bit deeper later on. But I do want to mm. put a reminder right here, which I'll do again later. We don't have confirmation. She did this. Yeah, yeah, that's why I that's why I said before like if this is to be believed then yes, she is doing an upper and a downer at the same time, which is mm-hmm. not very good for you. One thing that we do know with this is when her apartment was searched after her disappearance, a small amount of coke was found. So okay. it seems like she minimally dabbled on occasion, but again, mm-hmm. No confirmation. This is just kind of rumor that she was doing it this night. Right. So we're going to jump to 2.27 a.m., which is about 45 minutes after arriving at Kilroy's. Lauren Mm -hmm. and Corey, they leave together. Wait. Unfortunately. Corey's the new friend. Mm -hmm. Corey's the new friend, right? Yes. So they left Jay's. Jay's the friend from camp. Mm. Um, Corey is Jay's neighbor. They live in the same townhome complex. And the two of them choose to go to the bar together. They leave the bar together. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, Lauren would leave her phone at the bar. And her shoes. Mm. Okay. So I think it's a pretty fair assumption to believe that Lauren is likely very intoxicated at this point. Yeah. And yeah. We weren't we weren't as attached to our phones in 2011 as we are now, but to leave it mm-hmm. and especially to leave your shoes behind, I just think that's that's a sign that she was very drunk. Right. Right, cuz I'm just going to Oh, it's not really visible in her in the security cam footage. What yeah, it's hard to tell. I tried to see what she shoes wearing. she was wearing. It's hard to yeah. tell. But either way, if you're leaving your shoes, I, there's a very high possibility that you're pretty intoxicated. And judging yeah. from just the alcohol standpoint, mm-hmm. she Agreed. likely at at this point in the evening, two twenty seven a.m. I don't know about you, but I've never been at a bar at 2.27 a.m. when I wasn't 
hammered. <laughs> it's like they're I, also like I'd like to point out as well, just like being there was honest. A, that sandy area at the bar, and so it was pretty common mm-hmm. for people to take their shoes off. Oh, there. Oh, um, so, yeah. so she forgot. She, oh. I think she probably forgot to put them back on, but she was drunk enough uh-huh. to not even notice that they weren't on her feet. Right, and. Once again, I don't want to dog anybody. I was in college once. Yeah. I walked home like, once. But also, I, I think a big um, part of the story is that she is a college kid partying. Exactly. Which, I mean, how many people do that? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking back to like my own experience because uh, once again, it's, ha- it was happening concurrently the same exact time I was at school. And, uh, you know, I have left the bar shoeless before, but I had them in my hand. Mm-hmm. Like I walked shoeless with because I was wearing uh, heels, that type of thing. Right. And like your feet are hurting. If she's you need wearing. Relief. Yeah, that's why I went to check what kind of shoes she had on, because if it's it like were a pair of heels, cut off it would make sense. Picture. Yeah, it's just cut off. Yeah. Because if she was wearing heels, it would make sense. Like, maybe she was like, ow, like, I'm done. It's 227. I want these heels off my feet. But um, it is odd that she left them. Yeah, I don't think it's odd that she took them off. But I think it is odd that she didn't notice Mm -hmm. that she was barefoot. Yes. Um, Yes. So, at this point, Lauren and Corey walk back to her apartment building, which is, like, two blocks from Kilroy's. Mm -hmm. They -hmm. get into the elevator... They head up to the fifth floor, which is the floor that Lauren lived on. And when they get out of the elevator, they walk by a few guys who are kind of hanging out in the hallway. And these guys were actually friends of Jesse Wolf, Lauren's boyfriend. So one of these guys, his name is Zach Oaks. He sees Corey with Lauren. And this kind of sets off some red flags. Like, what's going on? It's almost 3 a.m., and he yeah. goes up to Lauren. He asks if she's okay. He and he's noticing how drunk she is. And mm-hmm. that's that. Oh, there's so many red, the red flag. That's why I was like, wait, isn't Corey the new friend? And that's why I asked yes, it Corey in that panicked tone. That's why um, I asked it in that panicked tone. It doesn't yeah. surprise me at all that some one of her friends who knows her more intimately wants to ask if she's okay. Mm-hmm. And. So Corey responds by saying that he's got her, she's fine. And Zach tells mm. Corey that he needs to get her into her apartment because she doesn't look good. And yeah. I'm assuming that this is said in a very different tone, probably use a lot more colorful words. We don't actually know mm-hmm. word for word what's said, but I imagine it's not that. <laughs> um, it's just along mm-hmm. those lines. Right. And we don't know exactly what's said next but whatever it was Corey said something back to zach and zach punches him in the face whoa okay so we've officially okay that's oh man Corey, you were already a parade of red flags and now you're getting sucker punched for being a smart mouth i don't know man and so I believe it was earlier in the evening and that it was Jay Rosenbaum who eventually said this to police. I could be wrong on this fact. It was hard for me to find it, but I know I've 
heard this statement in the past, which is why I wanted to include it. But apparently Corey earlier that night had made comments saying that he wanted to hook up with Lauren. I fucking so knew it. I, fucking I wonder knew if it. Corey thought this was his chance. I I knew it. These dirty, dirty perverts <laughs> knew it. Yeah. So obviously Zach is like probably thinking the same exact thing. Yeah. Where like she's not yeah, okay. This random guy's bringing her up. No. And wanting exactly. to intervene and, and help her. Yeah, she cannot consent right now, you dirty, dirty pervert. Get away from her. And I'm sure it's something like that happened, and then he got punched in the face. Mm-hmm. So, Corey's probably thinking, like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna take her up to her room, and maybe maybe even she's flirting with him because she's intoxicated. Um, yeah. I, I have a lot of questions here. Um, and I, I didn't include this in my script because I just didn't know where it fit. But I'm, I think it, it probably fits the best here. But I wonder if there were issues in Lauren and Jesse's relationship because she told them she wasn't going out and then she immediately went out. Yeah, that's interesting. So I wonder if that's she potentially was being flirty and that there were issues in their relationship. I, I don't yeah. know. Do you know um, how? Do you know how long she and um, her fella were to get an item? Jesse, like how um, long they've been together? no, Jessie? I tried to find that. Everything I read just said long term, and I okay, know that so, they met okay. when they were teenagers for a while. So they, I was going to say like 15, I, 16 meeting. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't he one who one of the ones who went to camp with her? And yep, they met at she camp. Met him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that I wonder that is possible, certainly. And it is possible that she was flirting with him. But all of that's very possible. But it's also very possible that she felt safe with this person because mm-hmm. he's a, a friend, friend, of a friend. Who she'd known Yeah, a friend who she'd known a very long time. You know, well, no, she, and she maybe doesn't. She... Cor- Are you talking about Corey or Jesse? No, I'm talking about the one who, uh, the last really good friend who leaves her alone at the bar with Corey. Um, Jay, and... they, he wasn't at the bar with them, but they left his apart, his townhouse to the bar. So yeah, she probably thinks right. like, like if if Jay didn't intervene, he, then he thinks Corey's fine. Right. Right. Like if Jay, if Jay said this dude's cool, this dude's probably cool, you know, mm-hmm. so she probably felt safe ish. You know, I, I remember being this age and it's really easy to trust somebody, you exactly. know, and it's I just remember all of this, all of this. <laughs> yeah, like none, none of this to me, like it, it doesn't sound great. But I think that there's no fault here in Lauren's mindset. Yeah, no, no. I don't think there's anything um, apart from what a normal college student would be doing. And exactly. Even if she was, even if she was going to hook up with this guy, maybe she planned to break up with her boyfriend the next day. We can't know. Yeah, you there know? were some reports saying that, like, they seemed like, from an outward point of view, that they didn't necessarily have the best relationship. Um, one of the biggest things that was called out was they 
removed each other from their Facebook. And they had to, like, refriend each other at some oh. point, which... In that day and age, oh, 2011 is kind of be... a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, that used to be a big deal. So, like, like it does seem like watch. there potentially was but... issues. It's just there's nothing actually confirmed. It's just kind of something mm-hmm. that was going through my head during the research. Yeah. Yeah. After Corey gets punched by Zach, Lauren and him leave her apartment building... They don't, he doesn't even take her to oh. her apartment. Instead, mm. they go to Corey's townhome. So I hate this. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, um, I know. I know that you hate this as well. <laughs> I hate this. But and so it's essentially going to be the same walk that she took previously mm-hmm. with David Roan. I don't know okay. if it's exactly the Look same route. Now. I don't, I don't know, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a few minutes. It's a couple blocks. It's, mm-hmm. It looks like a, a couple blocks. Same sort of scenario. Everything that I'm looking at, we'll share with you guys once again, but just know that everything that Sam is talking about right now, every location is just a very short walk from each it's Less other. than 10 minutes each apart Each destination. From each yeah. Mm-hmm. Each destination they've headed to is less than 10 minutes apart. So. By foot. So it's it's all so close. Yes, by foot. Yeah, so it's all so close. Yeah, yeah. So. And while we don't have this footage, um, authorities do have footage of them on this walk. Okay. And apparently okay. camera caught them walking towards the townhomes. And they were crossing mm. this empty parking lot, which then entered into an alley. And mm. so they're seen entering the alley and they're seen exiting the alley on these cameras. Okay. And police refer to the footage as like, yes, we see that this is Lauren, but they also say it's an mm-hmm. unknown man. And oh, it's okay. widely believed that this is Corey. But mm-hmm. the police aren't coming out and saying, yes, she was with Corey. We identified him in this camera. I think the footage just wasn't clear enough to confidently say, like, yes, I see that it's him 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's very widely believed that, yes, this is Corey. I think Corey's statements even support that. Mm -hmm. Um, I I agree with you. Yeah. Everything that we've heard from him thus far would seem to confirm that that would be him. Mm-hmm. And when police went to go investigate this alley, they actually discovered that her purse and keys were actually found in the alley by somebody the next morning who was walking down it. So oh. at some point between her being seen entering the alley and exiting the alley, she dropped her mm-hmm. purse and her keys. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently... Lauren fell a few times on this walk, um, Mm -hmm. likely due to her intoxication. Mm -hmm. And it's reported Mm -hmm. that at one point she fell and she didn't even brace her fall and she hit her head on the sidewalk. Oh, so we we don't know how Um, severe this is, but that could be incredibly severe. Yeah, that's that. uh, That could be she could have given herself a concussion. We don't Mm -hmm. know. And this isn't confirmed by law enforcement, 
But a bartender in the who was in the area at the time says that they saw a man throw a woman over his shoulder in a fireman's carry around 3.30 a.m. at the corner of 10th Ooh. Street and College Avenue, which is in that walk, in that couple of minute walk, they would go through this intersection. Okay, and yeah, I'm looking at the... Yeah, it's just about a block yeah, north of map. Lauren's apartment. Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, authorities can't confirm this tip, but a private investigator, Bo Deedle, who's hired by Lauren's parents, and Bo Deedle's a big, big name in private investigation. Um, he was on the Zodiac case. Mm-hmm. He was on Wolf of Wall oh. Street case. Like, he's a he's a big name. Okay. Um, and his parents yeah. were able to, to, hire, to hire him. And so he interviewed the, this witness and he believes that this witness did in fact see Lauren and mm-hmm. Corey, but got his timing wrong. 2.30 a.m. is too late for this to have happened right. in the timeline. So he thinks that like, yes, he did Wait. see him, but. We mean 3.30 a.m. is too late. Oh, yes. In the did timeline. I I'd say something else? Yes. 3.30 a.m. You said not th- fit in the timeline. Okay, so um, yeah, so maybe this guy mixed up 2.30 a.m. and 3.30 a.m., which is easy when you've been out all night, especially if you're a bartender, like, you know, I I mm-hmm. feel like it's easy to mix 2.30 with 3.30 because your bar is either closed or is about to close. Yeah, it would have been like a little bit before 3, so like he could have been off by like 40 minutes. Like, that's not mm-hmm. that big of a gap to be off by. Um, and I mean, she's a small woman again, so it would make sense that if she was incapacitated, somebody might be able to easily just throw her over their shoulder. Mm -hmm. I know because it's happened to me. Yeah. Like it's, it's definitely not something that is out of the question of what could have very easily happened to her that night. And yeah. They at this point they believe that Lauren fell, hit her head. Corey actually picked her up, threw threw her over the shoulder in this fireman's hold, and then just continued to walk to his town home. Okay, so I feel that's a fair estimation. It, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, and it'll make more sense as we continue on here as well. So Lauren and Corey arrive at Corey's town home. And Corey's roommate, Mike Beth, he was still awake. Um, he says he was working on a paper. A lot mm. of people question this, if Mike was actually working on a paper. But I think this is incredibly possible. Um, this would have Why been close to 3 a.m. That... at this point. Friday morning, while finals are still happening, yeah. still finishing up for the year. He could have had a deadline. Yeah. Where, like, he needs to turn it in Friday morning. Like... I know a lot of people yeah, harp I, on this. Is he telling the truth? Is he really, really? writing a paper? I've been in that position. Wow. I've absolutely been in that position. Wow. Same. That it, it surprises me that people, I, you guys, I knew nothing about this case going in. I'm in, I'm in here cold right now. Cause I, I made very sure to steer clear. I, I yelled at you to any, stop. <laughs> you any were knowledge? Yes. Listening I, to a, a I was in podcast and I'm like, no. <laughs> Don't do it. I was in danger. Yeah. And she was like, no, that's the one I want to cover. And I was like, okay. You luckily texted me saying, I'm turning this one on. I did. I did text you. Yes. And I, you know, so I'm going to this fully cold, but it surprises me that anybody would question that like a college kid around finals was up at 3am working on a paper like that. 
I've done that alone in his apartment so many times. Yeah, Yeah, I've done that. Like he didn't go to a party. I when I first moved to the city, I lived with a couple of my best friends from college and one of them was in graduate school and he frequently was up that late working on papers and things not even just papers just things with hard deadlines like you said college Mm -hmm. is all about the hard deadline i was an art student and i can't tell you how many nights i spent in the art studio when Mm -hmm. all my friends were out partying like totally all i yeah full nights Full complete mm-hmm. nights. I'd watch the sunrise from the from the art studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got an art degree as well, and there were times when I was in the theater drafting lab until four in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and luckily, my dorm was situated very close to it, unlike the situation Lauren is in here. Yeah, so he supposedly carries her back to his place. So they arrive. Yeah. And um, Mike notices they are both incredibly drunk. And mm-hmm. as Corey's actually, like, getting into his home, and he's, I think he's starting to go upstairs, there's some mixed reports on if this is the stairs inside of his home or stairs leading up to his apartment. I don't know. But he actually pukes mm-hmm. on the stairs. So he's clearly intoxicated as well. Cute. And like he yeah. also, he got punched in the face. That could be a concussion that he's suffering uh, from. Or a combination of Could have been a lot of things. Yeah, booze and getting punched in the face, I'd probably barf as well. But that right? does make me think. That does make me think that it's the stairs inside his apartment. Me too. Because if Mike noticed... If Mike noticed they were incredibly drunk, he would have been inside where Mike was. And yeah, then, there's. Like, going up the stairs. I've gone to like the Google Are Maps there Street in View. This condo? I I don't know. Um, I, the Google Maps okay. Street View doesn't okay. show exterior stairs, but that doesn't mean that there's mm-hmm. interior stairs that isn't connected to the unit. So yeah. I honestly yeah, I have absolutely. no idea. Okay. Um, but it's been reported that he pukes on stairs minimally. That's what we know. Okay, minimally, yeah, minimally he heaves, and yes, we've all been there. And but so also, Mike helps stop him trying to prey on this girl, right? God, Mike helps him get up to his room, and he he cleans up a little mm-hmm. bit. And at this point, Lauren's on the couch, and so Mike mm-hmm. comes back to Lauren, and she's starting to say that she wants to go home. And Mm -hmm. it's not that she just wants to go home. She's actually telling Mike that he should come with her and they should get some more drinks. Oh, dear. And so Mike is at this point trying to convince her just to, like, stay on the couch, sleep off the alcohol. Um, Mm -hmm. But she's insistent on this. Mm -hmm. And he's starting to feel very uncomfortable. He doesn't know Lauren. Mm -hmm. And he feels like this is a bad situation for him to be in as a sober man Mm -hmm. with this very intoxicated Mm -hmm. young woman that his roommate randomly brought home. Yeah. I totally, totally see that. mm Mm-hmm. So Mike calls Jay. And if you remember, Jay's his neighbor. They were Mm -hmm. in the same complex. And yeah, so 
Jay comes over. He actually takes Lauren back to his place. And he's saying the same thing. Like, you need to sleep this off. Stay on my couch. You'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, Mm -hmm. just chill. And Lauren is still Mm -hmm. adamant about leaving. Mm -hmm. So... Lauren at this point mm-hmm. says she's she wants to go home again. She calls. Yeah. At this point, I'm not sure if she's asking Jay to call people or if he's just calling people, but he calls David Roan, who was Lauren's neighbor who walked to the apartment, to Jay's apartment with mm-hmm. Lauren at the beginning of the night. Mm-hmm. But David doesn't answer. It's four in the morning at this point. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah. He called someone else. We don't know the name of this person, but whoever it was also didn't answer the phone, probably sleeping. Mm-hmm. And by 4.30 a.m., mm. Lauren says she's going home. Like, she just, she has her mind set mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. So she leaves yeah, she's gone. Jay's house. And okay. he watches her walk to the corner. And she then has to turn. And so he kind of just went back inside. And then she's just like three blocks from home. And right. that was the last time Lauren would be seen. Um, so you can see on the map there, I've, I've pointed yeah. to where she was last seen. And it's it's just a couple blocks to her place. Yeah, I was going to say she only has like three blocks in mm-hmm. between where she was last seen and being home. And I yeah. wonder, I wonder if that second call that was placed was maybe placed to her boyfriend, and they don't want to put that out there. I don't know because they, this seems we have like no the idea. Kind of time boyfriend or roommate. This seems like the kind of time. Yeah, this seems like the kind of time when you're wanting to call someone's like closest people because they're like, listen, it's four in the morning. She's already drunk adamant on getting more drunk i just want her to be safe maybe i should call her boyfriend yeah and it's jay and jesse were also friends at camp so Mm -hmm. it would make a lot of sense to call him but that's that name has never been released we know that they called david but they never Mm -hmm. mentioned they just say another phone call was made that went unanswered that's all we know okay yeah. So All right. around 3.45 a.m., so minutes after Lauren mm-hmm. left Jay's apartment, or 4.45 a.m. I saw you highlight it. I'm like, I said it wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, so you just around, said around 4.45 a.m., someone heard screams in the area. And this is minutes oh. after she would have left Jay's townhome. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, right. I couldn't figure out where... He heard these screams. Um, uh-huh. But apparently the person who heard them was an unhomed man who was known in the area. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. a few days after Lauren's disappearance, he passed away. Oh. Uh, so we don't know anything so there's else. there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's, so that's it. it like, yeah. But we we just heard. know that he says he heard screams yeah. at this time. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. All right. And that's all it'll ever be. mm Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. Okay. Crap. So jumping ahead, about 12 hours later, 
Lauren's boyfriend, Jesse, is messaging her and calling her nonstop. And he felt like it was odd that he hadn't heard from her by that point in the day. Mm -hmm. And when they were texting the night before, when she told him that she was going to bed, when she really wasn't, he asked her to message him when she got up in the morning. Which, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a very common thing in relationships, especially a relationship at their age. They don't live together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And when he still hadn't heard from her that afternoon, he really Mm -hmm. started to worry. Um, And so Mm -hmm. he just kept calling and texting. And eventually someone picked up her phone. This was an employee at Kilroy's. Um, So they informed Jesse that the phone was left behind. Oh, fuck. I forgot that she dropped her phone. Well, in her purse and her keys. Her purse, her keys, everything. None of her. She has no shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, obviously, at this point, Jesse is incredibly worried. And Mm -hmm. he asked Lauren's roommate to meet up with him so he could check on Lauren. This fact, Mm -hmm. this was from the 2020 episode. I think that's a little Mm -hmm. odd. At least I I think it's from the 2020. It's either from the 2020 episode or the Trace Evidence podcast that I heard this. I honestly can't remember specifically where this came from. Um, But I Mm -hmm. felt like this was a little odd. I don't think her roommate had anything in any way, shape, or form to do with this. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's odd that, like, could she not check? Because apparently she gave Jesse a spare key. So I don't know if she just wasn't home um, I, do, I don't know the circumstances. Mm-hmm. I find it a little weird, but it could be something that yeah. has zero relevance. Maybe she, her parents live yeah. in the area and she went I mean, back home after the was, semester. Who knows? Or she wasn't done and she was at a final and she yeah, couldn't who get knows? over there to check. You know, yeah. It's, yeah, it could have been a lot of things. Yeah, I don't think that she has anything in any way, shape or form to do with it. I just thought that was kind of odd, but... I think we can move past mm-hmm. it without really putting too much thought yeah. into it. Yeah. When Lauren wasn't in her apartment after Jesse got there, he reported her missing. So okay. then Lauren's parents quickly okay. came to Indiana from New York. And mm-hmm. once they started to hear the details of Lauren's movement, they immediately believed that Jay Rosenbaum, Corey Rossman, and Jesse Wolf were no a whole lot more than they're saying. And mm-hmm. their gut feeling was that Lauren was drugged at the sports bar. Like uh, immediately that's what they believed. I I see why. I understand I, why they're going to that. And we'll there's still some more discussion here. We'll go into these ideas a little deeper. Sure. But I um, understand why they would believe this. Me too. So early in the investigation, Corey tells authorities that Lauren had snorted a mixture of cocaine and Klonopin. Um, mm. But so I believe ball, with that's these... A, that's a speedball. Yeah. I believe with this I, statement, I, he didn't see her do it. He heard from her or somebody else that she was doing it. He didn't physically see snorting hmm. so i think that's that's just kind of an important distinction it, it again this is not proof that she was using drugs 
Yeah, and I think it puts Corey in a very convenient position that somehow yeah. he knows that Lauren snorted a speedball, but he didn't see it and he wasn't there. Well, I there. don't think Corey's the only one saying this, but initially okay. this story comes from Corey. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't want to put too, like, we'll talk about Corey in more detail, but I don't want to put too much weight mm-hmm. on him, at least with this statement. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned earlier, I know very little about these drugs, um, but I've talked to a handful of friends who know a whole lot more than me. Um, so when I was talking to my friend Allie about how these drugs could impact Lauren's heart condition, she said that cocaine could definitely have an impact on long Mm -hmm. QT syndrome and it could Mm -hmm. cause cardiac arrest. It will speed up your heart. And if she's not in that consistent rhythm that she needs to be in, it -hmm. it could have terrible side effects. Um, She didn't really mention Klonopin when we were talking about it. Um, But I have another friend who I asked Mm -hmm. more specifically about Klonopin. And he told me that these are two drugs that you really do not want to mix. He said that they will in all likelihood cause blackouts and mm. taking Klonopin works as a sedative. So he said when it's mixed mm-hmm. with alcohol, it has the abil- ability to cause um, cardiac dysrhythmia, which is obviously something that Lauren's already mm-hmm. having to deal with, with her long QT syndrome. And mm-hmm. he said that it's something where it's like when you are high on Klonopin using it recreationally, especially when you're mixing it with something like cocaine, your body kind of shuts down, but your brain is still very much functioning. So her motor functions are very much impaired, but she might mentally Mm -hmm. know what's happening around her, but it all depends on how they're mixed, what levels they are, how much alcohol is involved. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of things we don't know. Um, but that yeah. was just kind of his very basic description to me. But given yeah. what we know throughout the night, that kind of makes sense that she could have been in that mm-hmm. sort of motor function limited state, yeah. but also a little more mentally aware. It's hard to tell. God, that's so scary. So very but quickly after her disappearance, yeah, it's terrifying. Um, it's it's very scary, but it, very possible, mm-hmm. and that's very scary. <laughs> so, so quickly after her disappearance, all of the young men that we've talked about so far, Jesse Wolf, Jay Rosenbaum, Corey Rossman, and Michael Beth, who was just kind of barely involved, but there, there. yeah, he was um, at his house. Yeah, they all hired lawyers. So okay. A lot of people get upset about this. I personally think, go ahead and hire a lawyer. <laughs> like, do it. Nothing do wrong with it. that. Um, a lot of people I are very upset would. about this fact, but I find I, nothing I wrong with understand. it. I understand. I and the thing is, is, I think it's just that you and I have heard so many of these stories and listened to so many of these stories and absorbed so much of this content. That we are sort of more aware than the average person uh-huh. that calling calling a lawyer isn't essentially admitting guilt 
or saying you had anything to do with anything. It's a basic Miranda right. You're entitled to an attorney. And especially if I were someone like Michael Beth, who was only tangentially involved, I would immediately Mm -hmm. call a lawyer because I was just there working on my paper and I want that on the record. It sounds like all these families are quite wealthy as well, which makes a difference in them getting lawyers right away, I think, as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's described that the townhomes that these men lived in, um, well, with the Mm -hmm. exception of Jesse Wolf, he actually rented a house. Um, I think with a couple okay. people in town, but Jay Rosenbaum, Corey Rossman, and uh, Michael Beth, these townhomes that they lived in are kind of known as like the rich student townhomes. Mm. Um, okay. So it sounds oh, so like they all have a good amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't get a townhome if you don't have a fair amount of money. So yeah. help me really quick with just a, a quick slap in the face reminder of. Which of, okay, so just Michael Beth, she did not know, just roommate. Nope. Corey Rossman, mm-hmm. friend of a friend, cleared by Jay Rosenbaum. Jay Rosenbaum, we've yes. known since camp, right? Yes, exactly. What about Jesse Wolf? Where did we Camp as well. Where did we meet him? Jesse Wolf camp is the boyfriend. Well. Okay. So, so the camp. boyfriend. Okay. So, mm-hmm. Okay. So the boyfriend and camp. So there's and, a lot of names. Like he lawyered up. <laughs> in this yeah, a lot of no, j's a student, lot of yeah. c's we'll get to yeah. another Corey very shortly here just um yeah, yeah just a quick yeah did, i just needed a quick smack around the around the ears to remind me who was at camp and who is entering this story now yeah so lauren's boyfriend jesse initially helped with the search he was out there actively searching for her but fairly quickly, his parents did bring him back to New York, and he very much stayed away from the investigation. This was, from my understanding, very much pushed by his parents being like, stay out of it, because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he obviously, he's her boyfriend. He's going to be one of the first people being looked into. Um, mm-hmm. So this doesn't yeah. surprise me. Yeah. Again, a lot of people get very upset over this. I think mm-hmm. that he is a man in his early 20s and he's probably terrified and his parents are trying to do what they can to protect him. Yeah. I yeah, I, I, mean, I that's, personally don't I, find something weird about it. If I were a parent and my child were in this scenario, I would probably pull them home as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, dog me on our Instagram if you want, but I would... If I knew, if I had a son like Arthur, <laughs> my if Arthur, if Arthur, if there was a potential, any potential of danger like this that could result in litigation, I would immediately have my child pull themselves from that scenario as soon as they could. Yeah, and we'll get to a little bit more very shortly here of some of his parents views on Lauren. Um, mm, okay. But there are some also some very mixed reports on whether he was cooperating with the police anymore. And from the sense mm. that I'm getting from multiple different articles in this case, um, he was still being helpful. He just had very little information to offer and none of that information mm. changed because he wasn't there. Oh, okay, yeah. 
So yeah, I don't that's think true. he wasn't there for any of this. Yeah. So I don't think it wasn't that he was cooperating. He just had nothing else to say because he barely had anything mm-hmm. to say from the beginning. Um, but yeah, and there's a lot of criticism exactly coming to parents, him. Yeah, that's probably why his parents were immediately like, no, come home, distance yourself from this. You were not even there that night. The more they poke and prod at you, the more you might say something that they might find relevant when, in fact, you weren't there and you don't know what happened. Exactly. She said, speaking from a parent's point of view, not from Kelly's point of view. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly what happened. And, like, obviously, we don't know truly but this is it makes sense Mm -hmm. all of that makes a lot of sense and then when it comes to Corey rossman he Mm -hmm. actually submitted his dna um and i think that this is any for any future potential use um i don't think Mm -hmm. there was anything found that his dna would be compared to um i think this is just to have it on file in case anything's found in the future um but he did he did give his dna and he also made statements early on that were pretty blunt saying quote i'm not the last person with her that's all i can say i'm sorry and some people say that he's become very uncooperative with the police with statements like that um but his lawyer says that this is very much not true his lawyer would say that he was unable to help any further because after he was punched in the face, he actually suffered a concussion and blacked out. So we don't know okay. what is really what he remembers and what he doesn't. But he's he's yeah. kind of made I, that bl- he, blanket statement of like, I know I wasn't the last person to see her. Stop talking to me type of thing. And I know that I've said it a million times. I'm not trying to dog anyone. And right now I'm not trying to dog Corey Rossman because I might have, if it were me and I were in his shoes, I might make a blunt statement like that as well and lawyer up because that's all you can. He's sort of doing everything he can do, which is give his DNA and tell them that he wasn't the last one who saw her. And what I wonder is if there was ever any, and maybe this comes up later, you can tell me, was there ever any pursuit to find out if there was a medical report filed that he, in fact, suffered this concussion? That's a great question, and I could not find that anywhere because I wanted that information as well. Right, right, because it's relevant. It would be relevant. One very uh, interesting thing. Yeah is later i also don't know when this statement was made but he later said that that isn't what he said his lawyer said that he had a concussion but he's not going to talk about it okay so i'm trying like real hard i'm stretching (laughs) as far as i possibly can to not be like who is this man? <laughs> I it, There's mm. some, like, everything I kind of understand as somebody who's like, if you're really not involved, stay out of it. Like, do what you can mm-hmm. to support by giving your DNA, doing those sorts of things. 
But at the same time, right. there's just some sketchy stuff that it's like, we know her, her pathing that night that she was consistently with him until yes. like 20 minutes before she disappeared. Mm-hmm. But we know nothing else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he's saying, oh, well, I wasn't the last person to see her, so I can't give you anything. Yeah. And, like, I'll tell you right now, like, we still have some more to go in this discussion, but she's she's never been found. We we don't, we have no idea. This, basically, oh most God. of what we're going to be talking about for the rest of this episode are a couple facts, but mainly speculation. Okay, well, as long as we're speculating, I'm speculating hard on Corey Rossman. I... I'm trying as hard as I can to remain neutral and I'm trying as hard as I can to remain neutral, but I like Corey Rossman for this a lot. One thing I I will say with this, which I actually don't remember if I put in my script or not. um, Mike Beth, his roommate, says he didn't leave Mm -hmm. the townhome after Lauren. So okay. when Jay came to pick Lauren up, Mike Beth is like, I never saw him leave. Like, I don't know if that's something okay. where Mike Beth could have been in his room and just truly didn't hear him and he could have. I don't know. But yeah, that's a pretty but strong from, statement. Yeah. And from what we talked about, what I recall, Mike Beth sort of put him to bed because he had yes. already thrown up. Exactly. And he was sort of like, into bed you go. So maybe he stayed up and worked on that paper more and is telling the truth and knew that, that this guy didn't leave. I don't know. See, I'm I'm trusting Mike Beth a lot here, but... Because he seems to be the only neutral party here. He seems to be the only sober one. Yeah, the only definitely sober one. that. Yeah, definitely that. So I, there, there's just... It, it's so hard to, like, what, what could have happened. Like, because... He, Mm-hmm. You listen to all of this and be like, I don't like Corey. I just, I don't like his movements. I don't like how he's treating her. But if mm-hmm. he's puking and his roommate's putting him to bed and never heard him leave, then he can't be involved, right? I don't know. I just, when I say I like Corey Rossman for this, I don't mean I like Corey Rossman as a suspect for whatever happened to Lauren. But I do like Corey Rossman as a suspect for someone who may have potentially drugged her since her parents are so worried about that possibility. I like him for that. I buy it. But I also believe if if Mike Beth was there and sober, he put him to bed. He would probably know if this drunk guy was stumbling all around, woke up again. Yeah, exactly. Um, So... The police have kind of come forward with a couple ideas of what happened, but they kind of haven't all at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. They they kind of say that there's a couple main possibilities, including involvement from her friends and a potential stranger abduction. So one thing that they're really taking into account, especially given the multiple accounts of alcohol use and potential drug use that night, and her past drug use with alcohol, she was actually arrested nine months before her disappearance for public intoxication and illegal consumption since she was under the age of 21. Mm. So 
this instance was at a tailgate yeah. party. Her and Jesse were both arrested for drinking underage in public at a tailgate party. Oh, okay. They both were basically put okay. into the drunk tank, allowed to sober up, mm-hmm. and released and paid a fine. So it wasn't something super serious. Um, I, I think right. a lot of college students have probably gone through similar uh, scenarios. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we used so- to, there was a police there was a police splatter in our college newspaper and we used to cut out the stories about people we went to high school <laughs> with who got charges just like this public intoxication and we put them up on our dorm room wall. Happens yeah. all the time. Like I think I, all like, the time. This is nothing super yeah. serious, but it does show that again yeah, she's but, she's partying. That's kind of what they're yeah, saying the, here. Yeah, I and I would say the only thing of note in that that's particularly concerning is just with her heart condition, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, it might not be very safe at all for her to be drinking at this level. I do not know. Uh, maybe we I, maybe we forgot. And Allie mentioned something about how alcohol could affect her lung, her lung um, She didn't say anything syndrome, specifically, but... but in all of the reports, um, they said that doctors told Lauren to avoid alcohol and drugs. Um, okay. So okay. clearly... So the... drinking could potentially... Yes. Yeah. Um, but then okay. they're also mm-hmm. considering the fact that they did find a small amount of cocaine in her room. So mm-hmm. authorities are really needing to take this into consideration This during all of this. And then Jesse's mother would come forward and she would say something. And I think you can start to see um, his mother's view of Lauren in all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, But he said that in some point previously, when Lauren and Jesse were at camp together, she was actually kicked out of camp for drug use. So Lauren's parents say that this is false. They deny this ever happened. And mm-hmm. I'm unsure if the camp has ever confirmed this. I have never seen kind of the camp comment on this. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's true or not. But yeah. take it with a grain of salt. But again, mm-hmm. it has the potential. Like, I kind of could see it if we do have some drug abuse going on here. But I don't know. I feel like that's that's a pretty big thing for Lauren to say. Lauren's parents to say that never happened. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a pretty big statement to come out and say, like, she was kicked out of camp for drug use. When it's yeah. like, uh, that seems like the kind of thing that the camp would immediately come out and say, like, we don't use drugs at our camp or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I, it, yeah. it doesn't feel true to me, but I wasn't there. Yeah, and so so the police, like, again, they're, they're looking at this and they're thinking, like, could her drug use and alcohol use be a factor in her disappearance? Or is mm-hmm. it something that also happened that night in addition mm-hmm. to her disappearance? Like, y- right. you can't, right. they can't really say right now, but they have to look at it all. Yeah. But if we're going to go down yeah. the idea of stranger abduction, there are a couple different theories. Um, there's some security footage that was a few blocks away from Jay and Lauren's apartment, kind of in that general area, that saw a white pickup truck driving around, and it looked like it passed a couple different cameras. Um, 
almost mm-hmm. as if this person is kind of driving around the whole neighborhood. And according to mm-hmm. Crime Weekly, that's actually not accurate. There was actually some issues with the cameras and the truck actually only drove by once. And it was a truck from a mm-hmm. nearby business. So police talked to the mm. business. They talked to the driver of the truck. And they were very quickly ruled out. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. But they're clearly trying to, like, piece things together using cameras and right. trying to figure this out. Because this is 2011. There's a, probably a lot of cameras in this right. area. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In a bar district, Greek life district area, like, in fancy condo territory, I would guess there would be many cameras. I will say with the fancy condos, um, the cameras were down. Oh, boy. Yeah. So there's no footage Uh. from those townhomes. Even though they did have a security system, it was not working at that time. Yeah. Very disappointing. Yeah. And Lauren wouldn't actually be seen on any cameras I think from exiting that alley, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen any reports of any cameras. So basically, once she gets to Corey and Mike's townhome, there's no camera mm-hmm. footage of her after that. Okay. Uh, so you would think, okay. since we do already mm-hmm. know there's multiple yeah. cameras in this area, that she would have been seen walking back to her apartment. But she's not mm-hmm. seen on any of them. So I, I don't really, that, mm. that very much confuses me. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, that's because it so begs weird the question. Me. Yeah, it begs the question that if she said she was going home, she did exit the town home, why is she missing from the footage? It, yeah, like, did she actually leave? That question. Did she, yeah, exactly. Did she leave? There's one point where I was also thinking, like, maybe, maybe somehow she got by all the cameras. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But um, she's sh- I she could have gotten to her apartment. Woman. She doesn't have her keys. She mm-hmm. dropped her keys in the air. Uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. does she try to go somewhere else? Does she maybe try to walk to Jesse's place? I don't know how far he lived from her. But it doesn't sound like it was terribly far. Or did she go to another friend's uh-huh. place? Like, could they be trying to have their starting location from where she went missing being in a completely different area? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like she likely would have been seen on at least one camera in that walk to right. point the police in that direction. Right. Um, I don't know. But yeah. the last, like, big theory that I think has some weight to it, but I just, again, I'm, I don't, mm-hmm. I just don't know. Um, is that Corey and Jay may be partially responsible for Lauren's disappearance. Okay. I'm very interested in hearing about this because this is sort of where my brain is going. There's a lot of different scenarios in here. Um, with this idea um so mm-hmm. what if lauren had an issue with her long qt syndrome she went into cardiac arrest and mm-hmm. all these guys have been partying all night and maybe they gave her drugs maybe she od'd after taking drugs that she chose to take but they mm-hmm. felt like they would be at fault 
mm-hmm. and it was purely accidental, mm-hmm. but they now have to make a choice if they're going to call the right. police or hide her body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. she wasn't reported missing for 12 hours after she was last seen at 4.30 a.m., which is definitely enough time mm-hmm. to potentially taken her somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But again, we, we go back to Corey's roommate, Mike Beth, said he called Jay. Jay took Lauren and then Corey didn't come out of his room after that. He supposedly was home all night long, passed out in his bed after puking mm-hmm. on the stairs. Mm-hmm. So would it just then have been potentially Jay? But Jay yeah. and Lauren are friends from childhood. Would he really do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I yeah. don't know. And then... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, they're childhood friends. I... I don't know. But I do see why the theory has become a theory. <laughs> I do see why it's being theorized is the words I'm are wow. <laughs> I do see why it would be theorized. Those are the words I'm looking for. However, yeah, yeah I I have the same hang up as you is that they have been friends since they were children. I mean, he probably knows her parents. He probably knows yeah. her family. Like And um Indiana, I, who knows if they knew this? Um, there's a good possibility they didn't, but Indiana does have protections for people who call for medical emergencies that are from drug induced anything where they Mm -hmm. won't be charged so even if he was the one who gave her the drugs he can't be charged Mm -hmm. with her death if she dies from an overdose he potentially could be charged for other things he could be charged for for having the drugs if he still has them like there's other things to it Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't mm-hmm. be like a manslaughter charge for him if he called and he did the right thing and got her the help. Right. So who knows if he knew it, this, but Indiana did have that law. Are they are they protected from like negligence? I th- I think if there's a like death involved, they can't the be charged drugs. in anything associated with the death. Okay. So like okay. if they come into the home and they see they have a ton of drugs and they're dealing well that's a whole different story mm-hmm. but if they come in sure. and they just have like a tiny bag of something or they already used everything that they had he can't be charged right. for his actions if he gave her the drugs he can't be charged for her death mm-hmm. okay. and that, that's a protection that right. indiana has to get people to call because they want sure. to get people help yeah. and save their lives you want to yeah you don't ever want to be like and then they died of a drug overdose it's like no we and then we gave them life-saving measures you know that's what you Mm -hmm. want yeah and not to have people be scared to make that phone call Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so one thing that kind of keep one thing that like with my with this all whole theory and everything that is very interesting to me that puts some some things through my head that I feel like hasn't been discussed a ton is Lauren's comments to Mike saying that she wanted to drink more and she wanted to keep partying. What if she started mm-hmm. saying the same thing to Jay and 
what ends up happening is she has a boost of coke. That's, mm-hmm. I that's, was going to say, what if they do coke together? Because that's going to sober her up a little bit from that down state that she's in from the alcohol and potentially Klonopin. That would mm-hmm. give her more energy. That would wake her up a little bit. I don't know. And like, what, what if, what if that happened and she t- took a bump of Coke and then went into right. cardiac arrest because of her long QT syndrome? Exactly. Like, exactly. That's the thing about Coke. That's the thing about Coke, it, especially if you're playing with like a heart condition, like you're, you're playing a very dangerous game with every bump of Coke you take with a heart condition. I would yeah. imagine. But then it's also like, okay, you're kind of in the same boat of Jay then has to figure out how to get rid of her. And yeah, he could have right, like yeah, called Corey in the morning and said, Corey, I need your help. Like, you were with her all night. Mm-hmm. You know what happened. Like, who knows? That, that's right. entirely possible. Right. But I just, a, a huge holdup for me is that they were like long time childhood friends. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So then, well, you can also have the conversation in this as well, which I haven't really put in my script, but like if she was drugged, could she have been drugged by one of them? Could she have been mm-hmm. drugged by Corey because he wanted to hook up with her? We don't know Corey. Mm-hmm. Lauren didn't know Corey. But then mm-hmm. if he again went to bed, mm-hmm. Jay's still in the same boat. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So we only have a couple more theories here. Um, One that kind of fits all of this and gives that overdose theory a little bit of credence comes from a man named Corey Hammersley. And Mm -hmm. in 2012, Hammersley was also a student at Indiana University. And he actually had a mm. mental breakdown while on some sort of mix of drugs. He apparently mm. was incredibly involved in the drug scene on campus. And mm-hmm. one day he had some sort of mixture and he exited a house. I believe this is like mid-afternoon wearing only a hat. Mm. He was completely naked except for a hat. And he had a gun okay. where he fired a 32 rounds. Some of these shots went into homes and cars nearby, but many of them were actually fired towards police. Holy shit. This is the year after. That is not good. She disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, this is, yeah, that's the next year. And this is very bad. You, I mean, lots of this is bad. Leaving the house, like, a mixture of drugs, even the house wearing only a hat. Like, that's fine. That gives Cecil vibes to me. But then 30 rounds at the police? Mm-hmm. That's a different story. I've seen images when I was just, like, looking all of this up. Um, I saw images that clearly were, like, from the news because they were, like, blacked out because he was, he was naked of police mm-hmm. trying to tackle him. Oh, God. And it it looks like a oh, like a sunny bright day, and it's like just imagine that, <laughs> like, oh Lord. yeah, you're um, on, yeah, you're on patrol, and like they're like, uh, can we get everybody over here? We got a drunk guy who is super powerful on drugs, and also he has a gun. 
Right. Christ alive. Um, so obviously he's arrested at this point. And while in prison, mm-hmm. he apparently mm-hmm. made comments to another prisoner that he knew what happened to Lawrence. And this is after they both were watching reports of Lauren's disappearance on the news. So mm-hmm. it's like the two guys just sitting there watching it. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know what happened to her. And he mm. said that she OD'd while with friends that night and that they drove to the nearby Ohio River to dump her body. Hmm. And he was pretty specific in this, it sounds like. He said that they were drinking and doing ecstasy. So this is the first time we're getting ecstasy Hmm. into the mix here. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, yeah, but that's never been brought up. Yeah, but also I don't think it's impossible that you can just kind of say ecstasy can't be part of the picture because she obviously did like to dabble in drugs. And Oh, yeah, I was going to say, no, yeah, you certainly wouldn't rule out ecstasy, but it is the first time we're hearing it in conjunction with her story. So, yeah, no, I wouldn't rule out somebody doing ecstasy. Maybe not even just her, a large group, maybe. Yeah, it could have been all of them, if, like, if that's what he's referring it to. Could, yeah. We th- we don't know a whole, whole lot more than that, because when the police came to talk to him about this, he said that he didn't make these statements, he doesn't know what they're talking about. What? So this, this was, like, the other inmate saying, hey, huh. this guy said this. And then when the police actually confronted him, he's like, I have no idea what, like, Mm -hmm. what? Right. Right. I don't know nothing. I didn't see nothing. Yeah. Which, which to me, uh, Hammersley denying him, denying saying that, I don't know what to believe because I feel like if he was not lying, then he would have said, like, oh, no, I totally did say that in the hopes that his sentence might get reduced. Unless he, that would potentially rat on, like, what if he knows Corey? What if he knows yeah. Yeah, Jay? Yeah. Like, what if they're his friends? We, I don't know any yeah. of that. I have no clue. Exactly, yeah. You're Indiana right. University is... is a big school, so it's entirely yeah, possible that's... they didn't even know each other. But you just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah, by the same flip of the coin, if he does get, you know, talked, get a reduced sentence, then he could be seen as a snitch. Mm-hmm. We all know. Yeah. We all know. And so another theory, because there's just so many theories in this case. Um, and in my opinion, this is not likely, but I understand why people want to discuss it, is that when Lauren and Corey go back to her apartment Corey is confronted by Zach Oates and his friends. What if after Zach punches them and they start to walk off and go to Corey's townhome, what if Zach immediately gets on the phone with Jesse saying, hey, some guy's here with Lauren. She's clearly messed up. Like, he's trying to take advantage of her. And then Mm. Jesse leaves and tries to go find him. Mm -hmm. I feel like there would be records of this that would be discussed at some point um yeah so yeah I don't, I don't know i don't think this I, is the case I, feel... I think if that was if that happened the police would have more evidence whether it's security footage if they got some of her or... they would have gotten some of some of him right or cell phone data or anything yeah. like that like calls call records that kind of thing i mean in 
because we're speaking in theories, in theory, sure, that could have happened. But I don't know if that is what happened. Yeah, like I, I understand how th- that theory started. I get it. Because I, sure. I, yeah, I like would be kind of surprised if Zach Oates didn't call Jesse, honestly. I, w- I would be as well, yeah. But that's a lot to say. Yeah, he left his home in the middle of the night and went to go track them down. I don't right. know. And, yeah, like, in that situation, then you have Corey. You know he gets home. He gets to his room. Does he find her, like, mm-hmm. immediately leaving Corey's place and picks her up? Yeah. Then what happens? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I just, I don't buy it. But I understand why it's discussed. Yeah. Yeah. And basically... Yeah. (laughs) See, it's hard. Like, you you get it. You understand it. I'm just trying to figure out... I'm just trying to figure out whether I buy it or not. I don't... I don't know if I do. I mean, I feel like his friend probably called him. I think Um, there's a good likelihood. At least minimally texted. Yeah. But if... I recall correctly from the beginning when Lauren told him she was going to sleep. He also told her that's where he kind of was too, right? I think he was home, but I I think I read some reports that he fell asleep like two thirty three. So he could have fallen asleep around yeah. the time that this interaction happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe missed that call and yeah, or he could have also didn't... been awake if he. He's just saying that. I, who knows? Like, I don't. I don't mm-hmm. know. This is this is a case that's really baffled me for years. Hmm. Hmm. I think it's because there's so many people involved here. There's so many people involved, and there's honestly there's a whole lot more. Um, I actually have this a little further down in my script, but I'll I'll just say it now. I highly recommend if if you are all interested in this case, there's a whole lot more. I'm not talking about because i'm trying to do this in one episode as clearly and as concise as i can but i'm gonna link a a handful of different podcasts who have covered this that i think do fantastic coverage that talk about other things um so i (laughs) highly recommend it um i think crime weekly i I know i talk about them a lot i'm just a big fan of them they do the most in-depth coverage of any of the ones i'm listing but they're all really good. I, I highly recommend anyone to check them out. Um, so they'll, they'll all be in the description of this episode. But I personally believe that it is likely that Lauren suffered some sort of medical emergency. And whether that's she OD'd or whether that's cardiac arrest due to her syndrome, I don't know. I think that that could mm-hmm. potentially be a toss up. I think either is as likely as mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. Um, but it, that puts me, if that happens, then I think that the friends in some way, shape, or form are covering up something. Yeah. Yeah. Because I if that happened say, after she left, gives... she would have been found. Whether it was on the street or it, something, she would have been found. Yeah. It gives the vibes of like, uh, the, oh, God, there's secret society at, Yale, I think it is, and, like, there's some crime that happened, and it, I don't know, it basically, it gives the vibes of, like, 
one person got shot in the middle of the town and no one in town saw anything. Yeah. Like the, that's everyone's kind of protecting the each other. Here. But then also saying that, yeah. that's a whole lot of people to keep their mouth shut for this long. This was 2011. Yes. It's 2024 yes, now. Yes, exactly. It's a lot of yeah. people to not yeah. say anything for that long, which is one reason it's yeah, hard for me for to believe. That long. But I just can't understand what else happened. The likelihood of a stranger uh-huh. abduction is so slim. That time of night, mm-hmm. like 4 a.m. is like too mm-hmm. early in the morning for like your typical, yeah. like statistically speaking, stranger abduction. Mm-hmm. And she would have been caught on camera probably within one block. If she kept walking, mm-hmm. she probably would have been mm-hmm. caught on some camera. So yeah. I'm not convinced she ever left the townhomes. I'm not either. I'm not. Uh, that's one thing. <laughs> I don't know a lot of things. But I know that I do think that she did not leave that townhome. Yeah, like there were some things. Crime Weekly talks about this, but I didn't see it in any of the um, coverage the articles and stuff that I found. Um, I believe if I remember right, they said it was at Jay's place. It could have been Corey's. I honestly don't remember. Someone in one of those two guys in the townhomes had friends staying with them. I want to say it's Jay because why would Corey just ditch him all night long? Um, if he had friends staying yeah. with them, but yeah. they're from Michigan and mm-hmm. they were, like, all in town for the weekend party. Mm-hmm. So what if she goes back to Jay's, one of these other guys who they're from another state and Lauren has no clue who they are, does something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's entirely yeah. possible. But I, the reason I didn't want to, like, it do, is. like, a, a big piece on that here is because the only place I ever heard that is Crime Weekly. Um, I think they do fantastic mm-hmm. research, but I just couldn't confirm it anywhere yeah. else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we've heard nothing about that. Yeah, like it's just I I I, I don't know. Um, and unfortunately, that's kind of all that we really have on Lauren's disappearance, at least that I'm going to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. because this is the long episode, I'll link those other shows below. Um, there are some theories about local biker gangs that could be involved. Um, there are hmm. stories. Um, there's this man, Daniel Messel, who is convicted of kidnapping and murdering another young woman named Hannah Wilson from the same general area, kind of close to hmm. the same time. So he's heavily looked into. Um, so if you want hmm. more of a deep dive, please go check out those other shows. They do a great job covering this case. And there's just so much to it. Um, but I kind of just want to finish up with like watching that 2020 episode. Her dad said something that is just, it's so sad. And he said that he'll, he'll never understand that he'll, he, he understands that he likely will never see his daughter again, just based on the statistics. And we say that a lot on the show. I think I said that a couple minutes ago based on the statistics, this or that. But to hear a parent talk about it in that way is heartbreaking. 
Oh, that's, yeah, that's so sad. As soon as you said that he thinks so likely never see his daughter again, I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. And his his parents, that's... her parents seem incredibly intelligent people. They're doing everything they can to get the help. And they understand what the evidence they're seeing, unfortunately, kind of means. And mm-hmm. the her mom created a Facebook page. And it was it was hard to read. Most of the posts were from Lauren's mom. And they were all about how much pain she was in not having her daughter. Um, it was every birthday. It was every every mm-hmm. March, uh, every June 3rd, the day that she went missing. Every like big milestone she was posting photos of Lauren as a kid and just saying that like I will never have you again and it's just it, it's hard to read I, I went back like three or four years uh, and I couldn't do anymore yeah oh damn but that is what we That's have terrible. so Kelly do you have any final thoughts um this is a toughie this is a Rubik's cube of a case. Like you, you just have so many people involved. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons stuff's getting lost in translation. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that it's been long enough that her dad's supposition is probably true. And I feel so sorry for them that that is the way it is i wish that there was any more evidence for them to go on but i do believe that she didn't leave those townhomes and if she didn't leave those townhomes and she wasn't seen on any security footage then we're starting to narrow down our re reasoning of what could have happened to her agreed so yeah i i can't say too much more because i'm not sure about anything i know that i know that this Corey pings for me i just don't like i don't like the, the I don't like the manner, the state that she was in around him, that he was mm-hmm. the only one with her at certain points. I don't, I don't like any of that, but it does seem like he didn't leave either. So yeah, it's just so weird. Cause I, I don't, I'm in the same boat. I don't mm-hmm. like the way he was when he was with her based on what we know. Mm hmm. But yeah, and the, another thing we sort of know is that it's not really likely he left the townhome either. Mm-hmm. So I wish I I wish I had a more conclusive theory that I was like I back this one. I'm gonna totally say this happened. It's just tough. All I can say is that I feel really terrible for these parents and. I feel just compelled to say that if you have any health conditions, 
please, please be careful with any substance you're putting in your body, anything like that. Just be careful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Just in regard to the the medical aspect. And uh, I don't know, maybe drag the Ohio River. I, I do wish there was some movement that we saw. In there, case, there was, I, know? I didn't, I knew this was going to be such a long episode. I didn't put all of that in. There were lots of ground searches. There was a tip that came in at some point saying that oh, she was okay. in a lake and they dredged the lake. Like there was a lot of that. Um, just nothing ever okay. came from any of it, unfortunately. Oh man. And kind of what I mentioned very early on in that picture, what about her coat? It looked like she was carrying something and mm-hmm. supposedly that image was taken on her way leaving her apartment to go walk to Jay's. But I never heard another word about that coat. I just noticed it in the photo. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the first things I noticed in the photo. Yeah. So I think there's a lot that we don't know as the public. Um, But I also think that there's probably a lot the police don't know because otherwise we would see something else in this case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is all that we have so thank you all for listening to have you heard about this case if you liked this episode please leave us a review on apple podcasts and follow us on spotify you can find us on instagram at have you heard about this case pod on tiktok at hyhatc or you can email us at have you heard about this case at gmail.com thanks and we'll talk to you later bye